So in a world that invites you to look up, Jesus invites you to look down. You're going to hear this story many times from me, both of these, but one is, I'm from India, so I just have to tell you this. It's an entertaining way to tell a version of this story. Never accept the invitation to lunch or to a meal of an elephant keeper. So to lay it out really clearly, if you go over to the elephant keeper's place for lunch, you will have to return their hospitality at some point. You should invite them over, and God bless you, you now have to feed an elephant. <laughs> so it's basically a stay in your lane, right? So that's the culture I come from. Understand what hospitality you offer and receive, and be extravagant in your hospitality to those who can never repay you, says Jesus, to those from whom you need nothing and could offer you nothing. This is interestingly a key teaching in the Bible. Jesus emphasizes the feast as much as he emphasizes the humanity of the law. People first, always. So when I graduated from college in 1994, I moved to Los Angeles to be a part of a small local service program at Holy Faith Church. Elizabeth Schaus Kathy was also in this program in a different year, I think not too far apart, I think. So I was assigned to be an outreach worker at the Mental Health Association in Long Beach, where I got to know a lot of people that were living with severe and sometimes untreated mental illness, and who were also unhoused or were housing insecure in some way. That was the result of the deinstitutionalization of um, those living with mental illness. So I don't think anyone thought the institutions were the right solution, but doing nothing was also not the right solution. And people that had lived in these institutions their whole lives um, struggled and were often on the street. And it was the beginning of the kind of homelessness that we see all over our country today. And I will confess to being shocked by it. Um, I had grown up in suburban Dallas. I had never seen anything like it. And I used to come back to that rectory, and um, my solution was to play Jimi Hendrix really loud, um, not knowing how actually completely appropriate that was at the time. And I think I literally just stared at the wall for a while before I could even think to rejoin our group and to make dinner together. I think all of us did something like that because of the, the traumatic experiences of our day. How could it be that we would sleep inside and eat a warm and tasty meal and laugh while we prepared it when our friends were outside, vulnerable and so sick and in need of help. I can remember praying to see them the next day and learning to pray that they might have what they wanted and not what I wanted for them. For God's will to be done because I did not know what else to pray for. And really, everything we did, everything all day was so inadequate. All we did was open the doors, serve the coffee, sit with one another, and try to break through enough in our regular daily relationship that they might let us help with getting their social security insurance or filling out the form for Section 8 or help a check stretch to the end of the month or get a service that might help a little bit. Our welcome table was literally the basement level of the building, as low as you could go the part of the building that I couldn't eat in for weeks for the smell of our friends. Upstairs was the work training site, the cafe, and even higher up, the very good Dr. Mark, who compared mental illness to having diabetes, a physical reality in a body that needed some help to function and nothing more. So to be super clear, I didn't know anything about what to do 
around mental health crises. I had studied religion. And we're hearing a lot about what we all studied in college and what value that has this, this week. But there I was, charged with setting a table of welcome for my neighbors, the kind from the end of the verses that we just heard. And let's again be super clear, it was not the same as setting up a table or arranging a dinner for the bishop or for my friends or for our congregation. That's actually quite easy. You buy the food, you might call your mother, maybe you read a recipe book. And even if you're worried it might turn out, not turn out exactly as you want, maybe it'll be too spicy. We all know how to set a decent table and make conversation for a few hours. We did that weekly at our house. In Long Beach, I sat on a bench with strangers, and nothing I knew could save them. I could not save them. I could not even keep them safe or clean. Because of the nature of my job, I couldn't even really protect them. My job was to be a witness to their suffering. The Bible says today to do that. Invite those with great need to sit at your table. Provide your hospitality to them, church. Jesus says, as he is receiving the hospitality of a Pharisee himself, maybe Jesus was describing himself and his followers in that story as the ones who could never return the favor. Jesus says, when you have a dinner, choose with great intention who you would wish to entertain. It's an interesting proposition. I don't know about you, but when I want to make a dinner and fill a table, I'm usually thinking more about who I'd like to have over first, who I want to see or who I miss or who do I owe a meal to, do I want to give back. The point is not simply to have a dinner, but Jesus flips it on its head and changes the underlying assumption. Jesus assumes you have some hospitality in you, some generosity, and you get to decide who to share it with. Isn't that something? To assume you and I are more than our easiest friendships, more than our comfort, more than our families, more than our friends, but that we, like the holiest people that we know, simply want to love our neighbor, want to really live, want to see those streams of living water in our lifetime, and just require a little redirection to remember that that actually is what we want. So I spent the last week at the Chautauqua Institution in New York, and it's basically a big campsite for adults, heavily programmed with speakers and artists, really Christian nerd adults is really what it's for. It's like grown-up camp on Lake Chautauqua in the Finger Lakes. And folk music was the theme, so lucky me, right? The Punch Brothers, the Avett Brothers, Rhiannon Giddens, Emmylou Harris, Mary Chapin Carpenter played every evening, shockingly good. American music, right? Banjo, fiddle, foot stomping, at times alongside the Chautauqua Symphony Orchestra and their great organ, like our organ. Kind of an elevated American music, up so high, feet in the mud kind of music. Alongside the music were lectures on everything from gardening to race and politics and power and food and wine tasting, a wide and broad table that began with something like a chapel service every morning, like school. Kind of a daily walk among springs of living water, and the cisterns we build to contain some small part of all of that goodness, and a study of the cracks, cracked, every one of them, as we try to be America. 
the beautiful inspiration and suffering that brings the banjo and the fiddle and the complicatedness of our living that turns passion and art into commerce, the product the music industry needs or the aspirations of troubled people who wish to sit higher and higher at the finest tables. Rhiannon Giddens, in particular, has excavated the origins of American music. The banjo is what she is known for. She studied opera, so she brings that kind of voice and that knowledge of the Western canon to the banjo and the fiddle and black Appalachian heritage of those instruments. So I'm still trying to understand the concert that I went to last Tuesday, in which the Chautauqua Symphony Orchestra, musicians drawn from all over this country, played with her like taking the lowest seat in the backyard music joint and somehow ending up at the Kennedy Center. The enormous dignity and polish of an orchestra essentially playing jigs, America, faith, friends, life abundant, living waters, salvation, safety, often reveal themselves in those places that we think we are to protect ourselves from or grow away from because we think we have some bit of abundance, a plan for life, for faith, for security, but it is in the letting go, isn't it? In walking right into the lack and the suffering, in sitting down in the low place, in offering up our utterly inadequate friendship, the music of our hearts, an outstretched hand, that it may feel that the heavens open and our lowly offerings can become a welcome table. So when you are hungry, friends, look low, not high, where God has set a table for you with new companions, more complex and beautiful than you would think to ask or imagine. Living waters, soul food, a taste of heaven.